Hi, welcome to the Dad Syndicate Podcast. My name is Tom Kingwell, and today I'm joined by a man who defines himself in many ways. He's a daydreamer, a storyteller, a businessman, and importantly for this podcast, he's a husband and a father. His name is Joshua Laycock, and he's the founder of The Renovation Mindset. I'm really excited to have Josh with me today as our first guest to tell us a little bit about his journey as a husband and a father and how shedding negative mindsets and creating and adopting new positive ones has helped him to steal his mind and start showing up in all the arenas of his life. In this episode, we discuss how dropping our expectations of ourselves and our children leads to greater contentment and better relationships. We talk about how our children can be the catalyst for positive change in our lives and how we should lead with both our actions and words. Joshua then warns us about having extreme beliefs and opinions as well as latching onto single parenting philosophies and encourages us to rather find the best of all approaches to parenting out there, new and old, to create our own unique parenting style. In short, this episode is jam-packed with excellent insights into the role the father plays in his children's lives and how we can step away from our egos and the need for affirmation to be the best parents we can be. I hope you enjoy it. So, what do you want from life? Where have you been? Where are you going? What have you given? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to pay? Are you being stretched? Are you being challenged? Are you moving forward? Are you afraid of change? Are you addicted to the comfort? Are you looking for answers? Asking the right questions? Is this just a game? Or are you playing for keeps? You only live once and this is it. You aren't coming back. All you get, so make it count. Every day is a new day for finding a way. No more second rate. Start today. So, anyway, welcome Joshua to the podcast. You're the first guest that we are interviewing. So far, it's just been me and Bert for the first four. I kind of thought I would get there in 10, but you agreed to do it in five. I think that's quite uh, courageous and risk taking, but welcome anyway. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks so much. I'm I'm uh, I'm really excited to be doing this with you guys. I've enjoyed listening to the first four uh, four episodes. It's been a lot of fun and seeing the progression and had a few laughs. Um, so I'm 38, live in Canada, Toronto. I have two kids. My son will be five in about a month, and my daughter will be two in about two months. Um, so lots of summer birthdays. I'm married, dog, house, mm-hmm. burbs. Um, pretty prototypical kind of uh, dad, just doing my thing. <laughs> so you can live the American dream in Canada as well, it seems. What changed when you became a parent? Yeah, I mean, I, so becoming a parent, I think, I think it's, an, it's a very obvious statement, but maybe not in the way that a lot of people anticipate is um, becoming a father so changed my world in a very profound way. But um, talking to a lot of guys, you and I are, are a member of a, of a men's group that we, we work together Adult. in and-, and uh, the cult, the cult, the cult of the Iron Council, the cult of men, and um, but a lot of people say, you know, I I I felt like I was a man when I had my first son or my daughter, and <laughs> and ironically, um, through some of the work that we've we've been doing, it actually mm-hmm. revealed how unbelievably insecure and unprepared I was. Um, <laughs> I, although it was the most remarkable day of my life uh, at that point, um, mm-hmm. I realized. I'm not ready for this. And it actually made me feel very much like a child. And I was like 33 when I had my, my, my first son or my first kid. So it wasn't like I was this very young man who was experiencing this in the midst of everything else. I, I for all intents and purposes had kind of everything on the go. And I just, it was that moment where I realized, Holy hell, I've got a lot of work to do to raise <laughs> this little human being to, to be the kind of human being that I hope that they turn out to. Um, and so that was kind of that pivoting point. And again, like I said, maybe not 
how you might expect. So did that start almost right away after becoming a father? Because personally for me, I was a little bit more gung-ho. I think I was 32, so very close in age, but I had twins, which definitely was a baptism by fire. I don't think I really had time to even think about it. Maybe that's the difference in my experience, but was it almost like immediate for you? Like you became a father and, 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 and a weight, not a, well, a proverbial weight fell on your shoulders as though, wow, I have to step up. This is no joke. This is serious. Um, yes and no, but in a bit of an unexpected way again. And, and I, and I'm, I can, I've reflected back on this. It was, to be honest, it was quite hellish during, but actually one of the things that I, um, that I think I struggled with. And I now realize looking back is I came into that process with so much expectation and, um, Mm. the reality is nothing like the expectation of being a father. And one of the things that you and I actually haven't spoken about, but Mm. I've actually worked with, uh, um, a fair bit of men in our group who are expectant fathers is one of the things that I, I expected was that I would fall unbelievably madly head over heels in love with this little baby and that I would instantly have this massive paternal, I would do anything and die for this little baby mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually didn't. Um, I went yeah. through, I mean, I loved him of course, but I went through a period of um, resentment and frustration. And then of course, a lot of um, sleepless nights, not just because he wasn't sleeping, but worried like, am I like the world's worst father on the planet? Like I am, I'm supposed to be feeling something and I'm not feeling it. And what's this all about? So I went a month or two really feeling very, um, well, quite shitty to be honest about is this, was this, was this a mistake having a kid? And it was only when I, I think I had the courage to Google and search out, you know, these are the things that I'm feeling. Is this normal that I realized that there's, there are entire communities of men who struggled with that connection. And they usually talked about it being a trauma or an event of some sort that formalized that bond. And, and for me, it was a, an extended business trip that, that was the better part of three weeks that when I came back, that was when I was okay. Mm. It was, I was dying being away from my family. And that was the moment for me, but it took a while. Um, and that was tough. I wish that I had known that going in and, and that actually was looking back on my life. One of the first real, um, important moments where I recognized the value of managing expectations um, because the more expectations you have about an outcome, the more likely you are to be disappointed or to be injured by them because life very rarely follows the script. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's exactly the same for me in that life doesn't follow the script, but completely different for me in the beginning of my children's life because you said that trauma or that separation brought that bond where as my kids were both born 10 weeks early, so the twins arrived on the world at a kilogram and a half and spent five weeks in intensive care. So it was basically like going between work and hospital, like nonstop. And then, I don't know, that was kind of immediate for me because there was that protective um, worry almost. You know, mm-hmm. if you had pre- anybody that's had premature babies, and that's uh, that's another whole topic and another whole thing that communities of uh, knows that there's a lot of complications that can happen with them, and a few happened to my kids, and so the the bond was formed quite soon, and and kind of because I had two at once, like I said, it wasn't really much time to think about myself or to feel shitty because I basically was just it was just full on. Twins are full on, depending if you really have your shit together. But as 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 most guys who have their first kid, it's definitely a learning curve. So it's been different, but that's interesting to see that it's different for 
many fathers and it's nice to see that people can find each other and that there are guys out there and i suppose that's also what we want to do here at the dad syndicate is to make it more of a a community where guys can get together and talk about the things that you go through you know guys listening to this can hear about that and go like okay well these guys that are the same out there and and it's interesting to me because there's a lot of people out there that feel like bad parents i don't know if you've seen that as well oh 100 percent, and and you know the 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 thing for me and we'll talk about how the sort of last three to four years of my life have gone because they've they've changed dramatically for in a very positive way is how taboo it seems to be i think particularly for men to talk about some of these insecurities and some of these concerns and just being able to be open about some of the things that we're feeling and hmm. um that was why i jumped at this opportunity to to be in some small part or some small way, a part of, of this podcast and this movement with you guys is because that's a, a big part of what I'm committing my life to doing is helping um, people in general, but particularly men. And it's sort of naturally navigating mm. towards um, sort of newer fathers is oh, cool. um, that let's have these conversations and let's work through mm. them. Because one of the things is the more you talk to people and you share stories, we all think you know, that our problems are unique, that we're the only one who must be feeling this and you <laughs> feel really, really isolated. And that just, I think, compounds the problem. And the more we can have open and honest conversations about what's going on, the first thing is you realize, shit, everyone's feeling this or a lot of people are feeling this. And 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 then almost you, you kind of recognize that, well, maybe compared to what some other people are going through, I don't have it that badly. Like, you know, you talked about mm -hmm. when your twins were born and the challenges that come naturally with, with having twins is, so my son was born, you know, very quickly. It was a very, very quick birth. That's uh, um, challenging for my wife. And he, we had some issues. Having a really quick birth, I think, is probably preferable to having some of these horror stories where we heard where mm -hmm. poor mums are in labor for days. But the yeah. other reality is, um, I think uh, women's bodies need to be ready to give birth. And mm. when it's that yeah, yeah, fast, yeah. they're not ready. Um, so that was yeah. one of the challenges. But of course, our son had really bad jaundice and he didn't really want to oh, wow. eat. But it, and when you're living it and it's your first kid, of course, it's the worst <laughs> thing in the planet, right? They had to, mm -hmm. they kept having to prick his poor heel and he was crying and it was horrible. Mm -hmm. But then relative to the story that you've gone through, it's really nothing. And then relative to what other people have gone through, you didn't actually experience that much. So it's part of sharing <laughs> stories is living yeah. through other people. And, and it helps put things, I think, in perspective a fair bit. And, and perspective is huge. No, I totally agree. Because with my one son, it's been quite a process. I mean, he still goes to hospital every four months, because when he was two and a half, there was a botched surgery, and he almost died. And then he had to be in hospital for three months. And that kind of steeled me to the little things in life. You know, other people are freaking out over a cut, whereas I must admit that I've become a little bit more <laughs> conditioned to be like, okay, that's not so bad when you want to, when you deal with that. So it does put in perspective. But as you say, my son is fine. He's alive. He's kicking around and we've spent months in hospital and there's other kids that just aren't as lucky. So it's, it's kind of just appreciating what you've got and taking it as it is. But I think this perfection and this pressure to be perfect parents these days and to have perfect children, it really seems to paralyze quite a lot of people and actually leads them to almost do things that are not positive for their children as a result of this insecurity. Well, for sure. I mean, I, I, I have yet to meet a parent that doesn't think they're totally screwing everything up. <laughs> um, but it's, again, it's the courage of having those conversations. Um, and, I, and I think that there is no such thing as a perfect parent. I mean, what is a perfect parent? A parent who loves their, their children 
and and wants what's best for them and tries their very best. Beyond that, I think it doesn't exist. But oh yeah, I mean we we have playdates with our son and we talk to other parents and it's funny because there's always, especially when it's a new friendship, there's kind of mm. always this posturing uh, <laughs> where none of us want to admit that we don't know what's doing. I, me- I remember I went on a playdate <laughs> with my son and one of his friends mm-hmm. and his friend's mom was there and we were standing around and and you know for us uh, fitness is fairly important. I-, I like to work out. My son likes to work out with me, and so fitness is important and. Um, we were hanging out at this play place and, and the mom had said like, should we grab lunch? And I said, yeah, sure. And, and she was really kind of sheepish about, and I said, what's up? She said, I, I kind of want to go to a Wendy's, like a local burger joint here. And I said, all right, let's mm-hmm. go to Wendy's. And she, she was so terrified that I was going to judge her for you feed your kid Wendy's. And I was like, well, you know, but it, that's the kind of thing that we do. That's the sort of narrative. And and I always, yeah, I mean, this, this concept of perfection, it doesn't exist. And, and um, and you're right. It, it, and this is without going down a rabbit hole, this is kind of like the Instagram social media world where you mm. see a lot of these parents who, and I think there's a lot of good. I mean, I'm not, I'm a big fan of social media. So I, I'm not one of these people who thinks that you should cut it out of your life. I mean, if it's damaging to you, then of course, um, just like anything. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but we do see um, the highlight reel. We, so we do see some of these parents who, yeah, you know what, they're showing you the highs and they can be a good model. But when we think that that's the life we should be living 24-7, you're doomed to failure. That's I go back to what I was talking about earlier. That's where our expectations are so out of line with what reality is going to throw your way. You're just destined to suffer through it. And um, I've really, in the last, particularly in about the last month, have really been focusing on this concept of, of zero expectations and and not to be confused with negative expectations, right? That's what I get all the time is, oh, zero expectations. Life must suck walking around thinking everyone's going to let you down. Oh, no, that's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about I'm going to accept whatever comes my way and do my very best as a totally fallible human and man and father and husband and employee to respond in a responsible way. Mm. Um and I'll give you a really great example. So I, I, I have my morning routine and you guys talked about that on the, the last, last podcast, I think it was, um, about your, your morning routine and how important that is. And I agree. And so I get up and I, and I tend to get up fairly early. I'm, I'm about a 4am, 4.30 kind of guy. Nice, and nice. I, so I woke up and I had done my 20 minutes of where I, I'm following, I think very similar to what I think Bert was talking about, but it's, it's sort of the, I'm trying, testing out the Robin Sharma 2020 20 rule where he does. Yes. Yes. I actually saw that as well. That yeah. Really it's really great. great. I'm enjoying it. So it's 20 minutes of really vigorous activity, 20 minutes of introspective work, and then 20 minutes of personal development. So I'd, I had done my 20 minutes of, of sort of vigorous calisthenics in the morning and I was sitting down with my journal. I like to write a lot. So I was journaling. Mm. And I remember literally as I'm sitting down, it was cool in my home. I sat down and I think, okay, I said, I'm going to I'm gonna journal today about this concept of zero expectations and explore that. So I sat down on my couch and I pulled the blanket up over myself and I got really comfortable and I had my coffee ready to go. And as soon as I popped the cap off on my pen, my daughter woke up. And I started <laughs> hearing, and when she wakes up, it's always like, daddy, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And I know... That if you don't Sweet. respond, it's the waterworks. And I just kind of <laughs> smiled and went, what a perfect life lesson. Like, and I'm not trying to be perfect. Half the time I'm like, oh, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Like I was just about to sit down, but the timing yeah. was perfect. And <laughs> you know what? I was able to go up and I sat with her in her room and I, and I, I was able to say like, look, this is quality time with my daughter. 
I'm able to get her back mm-hmm. to sleep. I'm allowing my wife, uh, who's got a hell of a commute into her work to have a little bit more time to sleep. The journal will be there when I'm done. And she ended up falling asleep in about 20 minutes. And yeah, it threw the rhythm off my morning a little bit. But I, I really went into that morning with zero expectations, except whatever comes my way. And so instead of just getting really rattled by it, in fact, I had a, I had a nice kind of cool morning. Um, now, I don't want that kind of cool morning every day. I like it when she sleeps <laughs> through. Um, yeah. But those tools, they help. And they're not just kind of this personal development porn that people talk about that is just, yeah, exactly. It, yeah. they actually work when you implement them and allow them to work in your life. So. Yeah, I mean, the self-development stuff is quite interesting now because there are these radical kind of guys that just, you know, seem like they're like touching heaven with their, with their what, what they're doing in their life and their achievements and stuff and kind of this feeling like Bert and I did with the health and fitness. It's, there is like a obvious um, end goal or, I mean, I myself would love to be in top physical peak performance and eat the perfect diet and find out exactly what's right for me. But when I get realistic and it's not about not dreaming big, having big ideas or big goals. It's just when I get realistic, I can say, I've got four children. I've got a job. I've got, you know, responsibilities. I've got bills to pay and I do want to achieve. I want to achieve as much as I can in this life. And stoic belief is definitely a, a major positive. And funny enough, my friend from my colleague from Toronto, where you're from is exactly the same. That's his big thing. No expectations and the same, not negative ones, but having no expectations. I mean, it happens the same to me, obviously with four kids, my the odds are stacked against me. And lately my son's been waking up at five, half past five. And I've even had to do work for, for my school reports. And naturally I could react and I did, I have reacted really badly, but lately I've done the same as you and then enjoy the time together because they come looking for you. And when they're looking for you in that moment, they're not in that stroppy mood usually. I don't know about you, but they're quite, usually my son's pretty chilled in the morning and then I can have that time. And if I don't, if I don't expect something, then basically I can enjoy moments. I'm someone who has had big expectations of life always and of other people and of myself. Are you like, are you naturally like that? A hundred percent. And, and. I, so what I'm learning, I'm I'm learning to try and um, harness it and and use it when appropriate. So like I'm a big, I have a really really strong future vision, and I actually coach some guys um, on how to create a vision that mm. will work for them. Because I really do believe that. I think you know this is sort of like the Joe Dispenza that your 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 mind is either going to cling to past memories or will push forward to something greater and bigger if you give it enough visual ammunition within a vision. So I have these really, really profound visions that I draw okay. from and they're my sort of North star. And and that's a whole other topic that we can go down. But um, I've always, I've always had a really, really vivid imagination. I've always been a bit of a daydreamer. And as a result, I play out scenarios in my head and, and sometimes I play out really great scenarios in my head, but that creates this false sense of expectation. Like, you know, when, when, you know, when you go to see a movie and everyone has told you that this is going to be the greatest movie that you've ever seen and you go watch it and you're like, well, it was okay. Well, of course it couldn't live up to those expectations. Or like if you have an evening planned out, like my wife and I, we found whenever (laughs) we would plan a really awesome night, like, you know, it just never seems to live up to expectations. And, and when, when did you have those really amazing moments or evenings or times with your friends or your spouse is when you least expected it, right? You had no expectations. You just let life happen. So I always had that. And, 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 um, I still work through that. So I try to use it to my advantage. And and when it doesn't, when it's not helpful, I try to shut it down. Um, but one of the things that you touched on is, you know, you said sometimes, 
I, I try to have these really sort of like Zen like moments with my son, but that every now and then I still lose my shit. Well, we all do, right? And that's one of the things that when I'm working with people in terms of creating a stronger mindset is I, I say repeatedly, like to me, in my opinion, having a strong mindset um, is not about not having bad days. It's not about trying to always be perfect. It's to develop the tools so that you don't get totally derailed by when those negative thoughts come in or when you do overreact a little bit. Like, do I get sharp with my son and my daughter from time to time? Totally. But the mindset skills are helping me recognize it more quickly and say, you know what, bud, sorry, that was not a cool thing for me to say, or that wasn't a cool thing for me to Mm do. Let's just both take a deep breath and let's move through it. So it's not about being perfect because the minute you try to be perfect, you're going (laughs) to fail. Um, It's about trying to be better and having the tools to keep you on the path. Like I always talk about, you you need to know who you are, right? You need to be real Mm -hmm. honest with your strengths and your weaknesses. And I always joke like, half joking say, and all those things you think you're really, really good at, really pay attention to those because you're probably not as good at them as you think you are. Um, And I've got great examples of those, but you got to know where you are. And then you got to have this vision of where you want to be. And then to me, the values that we create, that code of conduct and those mindset tools that that keep you on the path, those are kind of like the riverbanks for me. And as long as I stay flowing in the right direction and I use those tools to keep me in the river, I'm generally pretty good. Um, And that's, but I mean, but I screw up just like everybody else. And that's, um, that's the important thing is I don't think anyone, if anyone tells you they never screw up and their life is perfect, I think they're just not paying attention. No, well, yes, definitely. Well, I mean, it's those mindset tools, as you say, it's the witness. What I'm working on at the moment is the observer, the witness, you know, trying to step away from my thoughts and my negative, my negative mindset sometimes. Now, my negative mindset isn't so much feeling bad about myself, although that is probably the, um, the root of it almost that subconscious feeling of not being good enough that is rooted since childhood that you or a lot of people feel without recognizing it or do, but I often get angry. Um, And so my negative mindset is often an anger thing where I will get negative due to a criticism from somebody else or get negative due to a child annoying me when I'm really not in that state of mind when I'm tired or something and being able to almost have an out-of-body experience and watch myself and think, okay, this is what this person's done. What is your reaction going to be? And normally I'll go from naught to 100 without thinking, but actually being able to step aside and go, okay, your thinking is saying this now, your thinking is feeling disrespected by your child now, your thinking is feeling attacked by your wife, whereas actually when you take a, take a step back, you can see the situation objectively, and you can also watch yourself and think, what would I think about myself now if I was watching myself? And not in a judgmental yes. way, like you said, not in a judgmental way, like, Tom, you're useless. Just like, what would you think? You would think, you would be like, okay, okay, man, as you said, your vision, because I also have vision statements and very clear ones as well. And when it's not in line with that, and when I can step away and think about that, I can immediately see the the huge chasm between what my vision is and the guy that I'm going to behave like, how I'm going to behave in that moment and be able to actually lately be able to stop that. And that obviously goes along with the not having expectations because that guy that is reacting like that has an expectation of a three-year-old child which is which is quite foolish if you actually think about it to be to be honest to put your to to lay your behavior at the feet of a three-year-old child and say well i'm expecting you to do this and if you don't i'm gonna lose my shit like people saying you're making me angry you're making me angry whenever i say that whenever i catch myself saying that phrase i'm like Okay, Tom, you've lost it. You've lost the war. Yeah, no, they're not. You're making yourself angry, right? And that's 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 yeah, that's yeah. just it. However, I'm outputting or manifesting this sort of negative 
mindset, this toxicity, whatever. When I'm angry, right? When I when I'm short with the people around me, toxic masculinity, Joshua. Oh, let's let's not even. But when I'm just kidding. But when I'm spewing this, to me, that's yeah. that's a byproduct of something else, right? Why is it that when my son is goofing around brushing his teeth, that's what really pisses me off? Well, no, it's not about him brushing his teeth. It's probably mm. about the expectation of I'm so close to him going to bed and having some time to myself. And this is the thing <laughs> that he's supposed to be doing. And in my mind, it should be easy, but it's never about the thing, right? It's so nah. for me, I was like, okay, if I'm really short with, with my son and it's particularly my son, just my daughter's, she's a, a challenge on a very different level, but she's young enough that I still see her vulnerability. Um, that's another tricky thing with being a dad that I'm, that I'm discovering is I had, I found it was much more easy to have empathy when they were very, very young because they're very obviously helpless. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. So my two-year-old daughter, who although she's a she's a fierce warrior and's got a hell of a right hook when she gets frustrated and angry, is still very much a baby and still very vulnerable. So even though she's dealing, we're dealing with some serious temper issues with her, and it's not always easy. It's easier to remember how young she is. My son, mm. on the other hand, uh, Caleb is a very remarkable young boy. I keep saying a young man, but he's not, he's a boy. And he has this incredible vocabulary and he has a remarkable mind. And sometimes when you have a conversation with him and I've, and I remember what he was like when he was a helpless infant. And now I see him um, as this really vocal, articulate, beautiful young boy. It is easy to forget that he is only four and we see the progression he's made, but we start to, I start to project my own expectations on him. Like a really good example, he's got this abundant amount of energy, like a lot of young boys do. And dinner time can be frustrating because he can't sit still and he's half the time he's eating with his hands and half the time he's eating with his fork. And the other time the fork is a catapult and the other time, you know, so last yeah, night- we know. We all know. We were we know so- about that. Well, my wife and I were on the same point. We're, 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 we're really in a good place right now uh, you know, at a macro level. And we kind of looked at each other and, and we gave ourselves that look of, let's not make this a thing. And I just said, bud, would you like to stand up and eat? He's like, I really would. Okay, bud, why don't you stand up? And you know what? Don't worry about your fork tonight. If you want to use your fork, I would like you to use it. But if you don't want to, it's not the end of the world. Because I have to remember that you know I had table manners drilled into me and I'm grateful for it. Um, so did my wife. And, and like, so bad table manners is like something that really sets us off, but he's four. He's going to have, and I bet you relative to most other four-year-olds, he's probably got pretty good table manners. So anyway, uh, it's a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> we recognize things. And, and sometimes it's, it's, why am I acting this way? Sometimes it's I'm stressed out from work or sometimes mm -hmm. maybe I had something happen at work where I'm feeling uh, a bit vulnerable or I'm feeling a bit, um, you know, not as, not as sharp as I'd like to be. But also sometimes, quite frankly, it's, you know what, I'm hungry or I'm freaking tired or it's hot and I'm uncomfortable. Like it doesn't always have to be something really deep and esoteric. Sometimes we're just tired. And as a result, little irrelevant stuff sets you off. Mm. And the, but the moment I think that you recognize that it makes it easier to manage because you're no longer on autopilot. And, mm -hmm. and yeah. that's where I think we just have to stop. And that's to your point, the witness, this is Mark Devine's concept of the sort of the, the mind, the voice in the back of your mind, recognizing and telling you that maybe you're acting out of sync with your values uh, and not in line with who you want to be as a man. You then have to listen to that thing. Right. And, and that's when that voice comes in. Um, but listening to that voice and recognizing whatever's going on, 
it, like I said, I don't want to say that it's easy, but it makes it a exponentially easier to then adjust your behavior when you recognize it through the lens of what's really happening is anyway, that's uh it's powerful and, and that's been a really cool evolution for us, but forgetting sometimes that four-year-olds are still four. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's nice to hear you talking about these unreasonable or these times that you blow up just in, you know, because of tiredness or irritability. And sometimes I am, I, I actually have this discussion today, which is quite interesting with someone about that and about, you know, some of the problems that we have, like you and I have discussed before, come from definitely from childhood and from other experiences through our life and lack of self-esteem and these things. But I was also having that discussion that there's times when you just are tired and you are irritable and you just don't have that 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 tank is empty as Burton and I spoke about last week and then you come home and then you just snap at that moment and it's good to hear it as well as you said when you hear that other guys are doing it because often I'll be honest with you often I feel like what's wrong with me you know like there's these other guys out there they all seem so calm they all seem to have it together here I'm like freaking out about the most random thing and as you say like sometimes you you fool yourself into thinking you want to get the kids to sleep but it's like you do want to have that downtime you're so tired at the end of the day that actually putting the kids to sleep. And I don't know if you like this as well, but I actually feel guilty sometimes in rushing that. And I've actually gone back upstairs sometimes and then line with one, lane with one of my kids again and said a good night because I realized at that moment, like what is more important? Is it, is it that essential that you get these kids into bed immediately? I do, I do obviously agree or stand for a good bedtime routine. So we are quite quite rigid with that just because it gives everybody that peace and it actually is good for the kids. And that's, I think there comes the hard part is that, part where am I doing this just for me am I doing this for my ego am I pushing my son to do this dangerous thing because it makes me feel like I'm a macho man and my son's like this or am I getting my kids to sit at the table because it makes me look good or am I getting my kids to brush their teeth so I can tell everybody else that my kids go to sleep early or am I actually doing it oh man for their sake <laughs> you to you totally hit on it my wife and I were talking about this the other day and and I think so much of what we expect from our children and also um, by extension, expect of ourselves as parents mm -hmm. is because we are so worried about how other parents will judge us or people in general, or other people will judge us. And that's hard. Like uh, it's only been, I keep saying this cause it's been a pretty powerful few months, but it's only been the last couple months where I've really um, I recognized whose opinions really matter and not dismissing is the wrong word, but really placing a lot less value or importance on the opinions of people whose opinions ought not to matter. And that's another thing that we look at is to your point exactly is, so my son is being a goof. Yeah. Okay. What's he, what, and, and, and look, there's something to be said for a well-behaved child if you're out at a restaurant or, or, and then we've all seen those parents who I think let their kids just, you know, they've thrown their hands up and, but I can tell you, I'm, now with my daughter, my son um, has never been a tantrum kind of kid. And if he was, we blocked it out, but mm. I don't, we never had those kind of tantrums like we have with my daughter. And that's, she's like the full on lay on the ground, roll around, scream, wow. kick things. I mean, you have to laugh at it, what but fun. <laughs> um, we've all seen parents who you kind of go, oh, they've checked out. But what I can tell <laughs> you is, and it doesn't mean that I necessarily agree with their approach, but hopefully they don't care about my opinion any more than I care about theirs. But I am hugely empathetic to that situation and recognize, man, if you're dealing with that 24-7, how exhausting that is. Um, I've totally gone back after putting my kid to bed in a rush and laid with him again and said, yeah. sorry, dude, I'm good. Because <laughs> you feel that. Um, oh, I've, I've done it. Um, yeah, well, tonight, 
Tonight was one of those, Brew, I think. Tonight was one of those. I, I, it didn't work out like I planned. Tonight was a perfect example of expectations. Like I said, 8.32, and I'm like, got this picture of like the other nights. And it's so funny because it's like what Bert said. You know, every night his kid goes to sleep. Suddenly we do the podcast, and these kids are vomiting on each other and waking up and shit. And my, like, I had the baby, like, strapped to me, like, 10 minutes before the podcast, trying to get her to sleep. My wife was with my little son. I, ha- I had to, like, quickly go to my the daughter, Sophia, um, eight-year-old twin and get her to bed and then lie in my other son's bed it was just like this run around to try get here you know what I mean and I suppose it's fine I mean it's not yeah. the end of the world I have a good relationship and I feel fine but it's definitely I mean this is a special more of a special occasion I'd say and they understood it because I said hey dad's going to do the podcast and obviously they're a little bit stoked about the podcast anyway so they get to like uh, enjoy it as well and I think that's the beauty of doing something like this and why the dad syndicate is the thing that I started is because I feel like not a professional dad, but I feel like it's my passion. It's my like life. It's my my thing. And and I'm not one of these people like whose kids are their life, and I'm living through them. I mean, yes, okay, that's a, that's a probably a bullshit because we all live through our kids to to a certain extent, and and we try to work against that. But you know, looking after kids and being being a great father and being someone that leaves a legacy for them. And and as you and I have discussed before, the purpose that I found and the change that came over you when you had your child, it's just something that I've never felt as motivated or anything as important as actually like getting my shit together and stop my shit. You know, you're right. And and so two things I wanted to kind of riff on that you talked about. One of the things you said, well, which I think was, which is fantastic. And I don't know that enough people do this as you had mentioned to your, to your family and to your kids, I need to um, wrap this up, putting you guys to bed. Cause I've got something to go on. I think that we can also, we have to make sure that we're speaking with our children. Um, one of the things that I, I will say that my wife and I have done a really good job on is, is the way that we communicate and, and articulate what we're looking for with our children. Both of our kids have remarkable vocabularies and um, we we were very deliberate about the tactics that we wanted to use to help encourage them to to articulate clearly. It's been one of the best assets from, for me in my mm-hmm. life. Um, but what I say to him some nights is, you know, we'll lay with him in bed and, and, Maybe it's a night that he's not really wanting to go to bed and he wants he wants me to lay there till he falls asleep. And I have to say to him and I'll say, Bud, I, I love you and I love spending time with you and we've had our story time. But now is also the time that, that I have with, we use the term sweetheart, that, that I have with mom and that's our sweetheart time. And, and that's not code for anything. That's just sweetheart that's just time. us in our evening time having to, to chat. And sometimes it's as, it's nice, as exciting nice. and sexy as planning the budget. Um, but But <laughs> helping him understand that look, you are mm-hmm. an important priority to me, but you are a priority to me. And I think that he gets that, you know, he knows that some nights I'm going to not stay as long. Maybe we got to bed a bit later because there's other things that we have going on. And, and we just, we articulate that very clearly with him. So I think that we can also have those conversations with our kids um, as much as we should be having them with other dads and our spouses. Um, we should also be having those, I think those fairly mature conversations with our kids, even at a young age, they, I think they, mm-hmm. they pick up and understand more. Um, but the other thing that you talked about was this catalyst to become a better person. Um, and, uh, I would love to tell you a really quick story. So my son is doing jujitsu. This is and, the story um, that I wanted to hear, by the way. Okay. Yeah. So and, and you this, did it this, for I, me. thank you. <laughs> this has happened to everybody, but I think this is a good way to maybe articulate it is. So I, I was at jujitsu, um, and I was, I'm chatting with one of the other fathers and, and to put it in context, I'm not one of these guys who starts dishing out advice. He and I had, had been chatting for quite a bit ahead of time. And, and anyway, we were both 
standing watching our, our kids. They they do jujitsu in a bit of an octagon because they're it's the only way that the teachers can keep them all contained. And um, <laughs> awesome. he was sitting there and, and he was we were chatting and he, he seemed a little um, down. And um, I sort of said everything good. And and he said yeah. He said you know I I I really don't know how to ensure that my son is better than me, that he doesn't make the same mistakes that I've made, that he, I need him to be better than I, uh, that I am. I need him to have a better life than I've had. And I don't know how to do that. It's amazing that he opened up to you. And like I that. said, <laughs> yeah, it, it was really powerful. And I really appreciated that he said that. And I said, well, he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to him and I'm doing this and I'm bringing him here and I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to get him involved in all of these things. And I said, man, the, the only way that he is going to continue to get better is if you get better. If you show him the way, because we can talk to our kids until we're blue in the face, mm -hmm. but they follow our lead. Mm -hmm. And in time, we all hope that our sons and that our daughters overtake us. But in order for us to give them that kind of momentum, they have to be chasing us. They have to be trying to keep, they have to keep up. They have to watch what we do and live how we live. And, and he kind of, I think I witnessed a really cool aha moment with him because he hadn't really looked at it in that. I think he had, it was sad. He kind of, I think had written himself off and was trying to, was hoping for something better. And I, and I just, as I said, I, I, I steered him towards the order of man and the iron council. And, and we've, we've had some subsequent conversations, but, uh, but I mean that really fully is that the only way that our kids are are going to continue to get better is for us to be that lighthouse, to give them that kind of runway um, to show, because we all know, right. We can tell our kids, you know, chew with your mouth closed, chew with your mouth closed, chew with your mouth closed. But if you're walking around talking with your mouth full of food, that's what they're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what we say. They're going to follow our lead. You know, little things like- Scary, yeah? <laughs> it, well, it is, but it, it's scary, but it's also hugely empowering, right? Because, yeah. you know, little things like we, and, and, I've, and I've shared this conversation with my mom before, so it's not anything new, but I, I said to her the other day, I said, you know, I'm, I'm really, really grateful that- um, we, as a, as a young boy in our home, we ate really healthy. We, we did. We ate really healthy all the time, and that was fantastic. Um, but we didn't have active conversations about it. And I know this is probably going to seem a little sort of counter to what I just said, but we didn't have conversations about why we're eating, and we didn't get involved with it. And I didn't see you um, actively in this healthy lifestyle. We just we had clean food around. But because it wasn't a part of who we were, a part of our our culture, mm -hmm. when I got older, I was like, holy, McDonald's is cheap and that tastes really good. And I kind of threw that healthy eating out to the side because I didn't know that's what I was doing. Donuts. Um, and, and I think <laughs> donuts. We're, wow, we're, we're 39 <laughs> minutes in and that's the first time we talked about donuts. That is, our, that is our mutual Achilles heel. So we're moving past it. Yeah. The funniest part, I can't believe I get the one person I get for the first interview um, guest and it's the guy that has the problem with the donuts. I'm actually just checking an iron council yeah. at your post about the donuts. <laughs> and they, I'm are, like, they are my total weakness. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the point is, is we have to model that behavior, right? Like, so I, I do CrossFit and I take my son there from time to time or we work out together and I show, I, I, it's one thing to talk about it. Um, but you, 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 you have to have the dialogue, but you also have to be modeling it, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and 
the story I talked about with my mom is about not talking about it and doing it, but they have to kind of go yeah. in concert, right? They have to be, it has to be a part of who you are so fully that they just model the behavior that, so, you know, my son, we have Tim Hortons here and we have these little Timbits, like little donut holes or whatever I think they're typically called. And, and yeah, he's now at the good. point yeah. where the other day we, we took him through, through the drive through and we're getting a coffee. And after jujitsu, I'll usually give him an offer him a little, a little donut. And I, I said, would you like a Timbit? Uh, and he actually said to me, no, because I'm going to my friend's birthday party later today um, and I'm going to have some cake. So I'm going to save my treat for later in the day. Uh, that is remarkable delayed gratification for a four-year-old. But why is that? It's because my wife and I have modeled that behavior as best we could. Yeah. Um, and look, I've always struggled with weight. I've, I'm, I've never been uh, a super fit, ripped kind of guy. Um but how do I make my son? Cause I said the same thing to my wife. Like I want our children to not struggle through the same things that we've struggled through. Great. How do we do that? We model the behavior. Mm-hmm. We move, mm-hmm. we eat, we talk, we make it a part of who we are so that mm-hmm. for him working out, isn't a thing or it's not a burden. It's just part of life. And that's really cool for him. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I, I was really one, I was really grateful that, that, that this father opened up to me, which is powerful on its own. But that, mm-hmm. that whole concept of, because I think there are so many parents out there that obviously we want the best for our children and, and many of us want better than what we had. And of course, why wouldn't you? But you can't just sit there and push them. I think you have to kind of bring them along with you because pushing mm-hmm. your kids is, is not going to work. It's like, what is it? That, that analogy of pushing a rope? You don't. I like um, that. Or at least it's not worked for me. Yeah, I think you. I think you hit the nail on the head there with the um, two aspects of it because you said, "Oh, this is maybe going against what I just said," but I don't think it is because I think, as you pointed out, I think words are powerful. I mean, they're very important, and you can use the wrong word at times and the right word at times. And I think that when it comes to our our activity, it's good to model it. And I definitely think that, and that's going to segue nicely into our next little section here. I think you, when you're living it and you're so quiet about it, I think that it's, it's for kids, it's hard to kind of see that. And as you said, to explain it to them. And if they don't understand why you're doing it and they don't see the purpose in it, and they don't see that it's a massive part in your life that you want to talk about it, because yes, I mountain bike and my kids watch me mountain bike, but I obviously had to ask them to come riding with me. And obviously I will come in the morning and they ask me about the trails and I tell them about them. And so my kids are crazy about mountain biking and it's no surprise because one, I've done it, but I could have been a dad. I think there's lots of dads that go mountain biking early in the morning, come back, the kids know he's gone riding, but they're not involved. They're not, they're not like, they don't have a buy-in. Whereas my kids bought into my mountain biking and I'd watch it and then I'd buy the new stuff and take them to the shop and they'd buy it with me and they would choose my bike and then my bike came and I showed it to them. And I think it's that. I don't know if you agree with that, but I think that I think you have to have both. And, you know, it's like Ralph Waldo Emerson said, your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear a thing you say. So your actions obviously have to be the basis for um, what your kids are following. Because as you said, you can speak till you're blue in the face. It's not going to do a damn thing unless your actions are there. However, I think that the words are important. And as I said, this will segue nicely into the next section. So what do you think about that as the importance of words Becoming more powerful with actions, but being an, uh, uh, an essential part, I think, to the kids buying into it as well. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, so there's a couple things that we, we say, what do we, what's the saying? It's like, don't, you got to, you got to walk the talk. Well, yeah. but it doesn't just say you got to walk yeah. or you got to talk. You have to walk the talk. So I think exactly, you're right. Yeah, Words are, well are hugely powerful because we can, we can lift people up or we can tear people apart with our words as mm-hmm. much as our actions. So I think when they are used together, 
they are incredibly powerful. The other thing I think you touched on, and it's something that I, I find is is interesting. Without there is a bit of a movement right now with parenting, and I think that there's look. I, I try not to be dismissive of all things that are kind of, I guess, new age is the term. Because I think within that, there are some nuggets, but I don't buy into it all wholesale. And there is a bit of a movement of just let kids be kids and do whatever the hell they want and make all their own decisions. And and look, there's a lot of aspects of life where we should just let kids be kids. That's what we spoke about. Mm-hmm. But to your point, we also know or ought to know what's in their best interest. And so to your point, you could have just said, well, I'm going mountain biking and hoped that they followed you, but instead, what would they probably do? They would probably do what's easy. They'd probably grab a bowl of cereal and they'd sit on TV and, and, and watch all day. So no, we do have to kind of drag them along with us sometimes. And particularly if what we're doing is in their best interest, right? I mean, that's that's the complete opposite at, at end of the spectrum where I see some parents mm. who, for whatever reason, have decided that their two-year-old is going to be the next um, Lang Lang and the next piano savant, and they're doing everything in their power to make them a, a piano star. And then there's nothing like, hey, I love music. I'm a, I'm a big creative. But you know what I mean? The point is that I don't know that that's necessarily healthy per se, but you do have to, they're still children and you still have to model that behavior and you have to kind of take them with you. Um, if you go to the mall where you go out, you, you can't just say, well, come if you want to. No, you, you pick them up and you put them in the car because that's what society wow. says you really ought to do. And apparently it's illegal to leave them at home. So there are things that sometimes you have to take them along with you and you have to give them that experience. Um, but then you have to experience, you have to, I think I'm, I'm really big on wrapping the what with the yeah. why and helping my son and my daughter mm, yeah, understand Same, yeah. why the things that we're doing are also important. And I think that was the piece that was a bit missing for me growing up was they showed me the what, but I didn't know the why. Yeah. Um, and as a result of that, the what wasn't as powerful because I was really easily swayed as, as a young boy following into all my friends and that's where the girls were. And, you know, that's where cheap food is. And I had the marketing and all those sorts of things. I didn't have the why um, to back me up there. So I, I, I totally agree. You got to get them on the bike. Um, yeah, you, thank you. You got you to bring them along with you and let them experience life. But that kind of ties back to my first thing. You can't just say to your kid, go outside and ride your bike. Um, <laughs> I've done it. You know? <laughs> Well, we have, but you know what I mean, right? But but why? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you, you, if they never saw you riding a bike, they probably wouldn't learn to love mountain biking like they have. I mean, maybe they would have some friends who've done it, but ultimately we have to model that type of behavior is is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing is like you put it there into quite uh, literal terms is get on the bike. And I think that's what we need to help them get on the bike, you know, just watching you doing it or just talking about it on the other hand isn't, but both of those kind of help them get on the bike, you know, show them it, talk to them about it, explain why it's being done and then show them the, I think you need to show kids rewards. And that's part of my approach to parenting is that when I speak to them about something, I generally will point out the rewards of the behavior that yes, I desire, but also that I believe is better for them because at the end of the day, my parenting is not so that I have a happy you know, calm life. And also as a teacher, it's the same thing, you know, going to school, trying to keep kids quiet just so that I have a quiet day and, you know, no one thinks I'm a bad teacher or a bad parent because my kids are making a noise, but having that purpose for them is important. So what I wanted to segue onto, and it's quite amazing because you and I haven't talked about this. No one would know this, but I have, I actually just wanted to talk to you about that approach to parenting because I've been listening to it today exactly about that and how you should just let kids kind of follow their own path. It was basically like this flow into who they are. 
And I was thinking, okay, this is all hunky-dory and sounds, it sounds great. And this lady who was talking has actually been on Oprah Winfrey and has made quite a little bit of a noise and Oprah actually called it revolutionary. Basically, the thing I liked about it and which the dad syndicate actually stands for, which is sort yourself out first. And this lady was talking about that it's called conscious parenting and basically you focus on yourself only. You don't try and change your children. You don't have any expectations of them. You basically come into every situation and ask yourself about the expectations you have of yourself and trying to change yourself, which I do like because I think as a father, all those things that we are talking about, the struggles we have, those times we're tired, those times we're irritable, the times that we come from work and we've had a bad day there, or we've had a bad morning or we've flipped off the guy in the car and, and as we said in the last podcast, ended up having an argument with your kids or something like that. That's where it all goes to. And so what we focused on at the beginning of this dead syndicate and what we're trying to do is to try and help guys realize as that guy that you met, that first you get yourself together, you raise yourself. Because a lot of us still need to grow up as guys. We still need to grow up as men. We're trying to help children grow up, but we haven't grown up. So a lot of our own insecurities come into raising them. A lot of our own issues with our self-esteem, the reflection, how they're reflecting us is the reason that we're doing things instead of the why of really like trying to help them to be happy, successful children. And obviously, we're not going to do that perfectly. But what I did like, I liked that. But then in the second part that I thought was quite nice and hunky-dory in the family, it takes a lot of skill to raise kids like that. And it takes a lot of time. And trust me, with four kids, to try and raise kids consciously like that all the time, I would love to try it. But I know that even in my home, it would be hard to maintain that. I mean, just tonight, my three-year-old, you know, kicking the walls, trying to go to bed. It's hard to get him to bed. He didn't want to brush his teeth. What must I say? Leave him there. My other son hung on a jungle gym. I called him. We actually walked away and he stayed there. Like you said, should I just have left him? Should you just leave your kid at home? Should I just say, okay, fine, he's, he's expressing himself, but I've got to go home now, so bye. I mean, I know it's an extreme, extreme example, but there's so many times like that as a teacher and a parent where I'm a realist and I'm going like, if I would let my children do this, I don't know if they'd be alive or if they'd eat ice cream the whole day or watch TV the whole day. And there'd be many instances that wouldn't work even at home. Well, and you'd have, you'd have to repeatedly explain yourself to the authorities. <laughs> well, I mean, that too. But also think about this is the, the whole disconnect that I have as a parent and with these philosophies. And I'm not against them. Like I said, I love aspects of them and I'm willing to be open-minded to anything. And as a dad, people mustn't get me wrong and think, oh, I'm here to like dispense like my wisdom because my wisdom is growing as I'm doing this. Every podcast that grows, me talking to you, it grows. Last time I talked to you, it grows. Um, and so I'm growing and I'm using this to become a better father. But a lot of the times this free reign at the home, could even if it works perfectly in the home, how is that going to work in a real life situation where they're no longer being dealt with by you or your wife and are no longer being accepted for everything that they're doing? And we're, we, we're kind of assuming that they're going to not actually have the seeking for attention because the whole thing is that they, they're trying to stop kids from getting their value from outside. But then they go to school and their teacher expects something of them or they go and playing a soccer team and there's expectations. You know We've talked a little bit about this. We're living in, and maybe we always were, but I can only draw on what I know is I feel like we're, we're living in this world that is so polarized and feels like we have to live at the extremes. You're either all in or you're all out. You're all left or you're all right. You know, you're all progressive or you're all conservative. Mm. And I don't buy that. There, there's a, a, a remarkable book, um, that I, I have a sort of a short list of books that have been totally transformative to me. Um, and this is um, mm -hmm. Code of the Extraordinary Mind. And one of the things that he talked about in this book, his name is Vishen Lakhiani, and it's just a great book. But one of the things that he talks about is taking the best of everything and making it your own. 
that there is no one size fits all solution to anything. And I agree with that. It's, it's even a concept um, that we talked about in business school, um, this concept of integrative thinking instead of which of these five tools are the least inappropriate for the solution? Why don't we build a new tool using the best of everything? And that's, I think, from a parenting perspective is like, I read, I've got a, I've got an entire shelf on my, on my bookshelf uh, dedicated to parenting books. Um, really? Particularly because we have had some challenges. Wow. So I've been trying to find resources and in almost everything that I read, there's elements that I agree with and there's things that I can take away. But even within these books, they say, but this isn't how you do everything. This is how you handle particular situations. And, and like you said, there are, I think, times where we need to let our children express themselves and be a little wild and be a little boundaryless and be formless and mm-hmm. explore. And, and, and I think that's important for them to develop their own sense of worth and value and to discover who they are. But at the same time, I, I say to my son, hey, man, there's going to be rules that even if we don't agree with them, we're choosing to be in this place and we have to follow these rules. Um, you know, like, I'll be honest, there's some things at school, some of the rules that they have at school that I don't, I don't agree with, but I've chosen to send my son to this school and we have to honor those rules. It's the same with when I, te- when I tell him when we go visit his, uh, my in-laws, um, they have this beautiful home and they've got a lot of artwork. And I, and I joke and I say like, remember when we go to grandma and grandpa's and you're not allowed to touch anything? There's rules that you have at grandma and grandpa's that we don't necessarily have to follow when we're at home. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're right or wrong, but we have their situation, right? And mm-hmm. that, and and like everything, um, there's a time and a place I think for for just about everything that's positive and constructive. But when you whenever we go all in on everything, I think there's a risk of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. To use a term that I think is appropriate here. It's like what we talked about. You guys talked about uh, we. I feel like I was there when you guys were talking about some of the dieting. You are, you are now. Um, like, like I, I, I follow um, a ketogenic diet. Sometimes I follow it very, very strictly, and other times I sort of I'm keto-ish, okay. um, which I know is not a thing, but it's it, you know I, a lower carb diet. Keto-ish. But I don't tell everybody you have to do keto right? There's elements of it that might work for people, or maybe you like paleo, or maybe you like a balance. The point being, there is no one size fits all solution for everything. And I think that we will all be much better off as human beings and as parents, if we can be open to everything, Mm. take it in, review it critically, not maliciously, but critically, think about what these people are telling us, not just taking it in and assuming because they wrote a book that they're an expert on it, I mean, I could write a book on anything. doesn't mean that I'm an expert on it. We have to think critically about what these people are saying and then take in what works for us, I think, is, is sort of the, the approach that I've taken. And, and look, if you're dealing with challenging situations, um, yes, there are experts whose opinions you should rely on. But for the most part, we're just dealing with children. Children have survived for thousands of years with parents trying to figure it out. We're going to continue to figure it out. But whenever we start introducing always or ne- nevers, mm. um, that's when I think we run into some more difficulties. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the pe- the pendulum has swung quite far in one direction, and and then it always swings back. I mean, as history has seen, it swings swings this way and then swings that way. And I think you're exactly right. I think finding those that that balance and finding out those things that actually work the best in your family, and and actually giving yourself the freedom 
and the permission to fail sometimes and not to do everything perfect and to realize that there is no perfection and there is no is no right answer because I thought you know there's a lot of things that you can get close to perfecting in life so you can almost perfect your swimming stroke or you can perfect a painting or something or you can perfect a song but kids are totally different and there's no ways that you're going to even get close to perfecting the child or perfecting your parenting style but you can try and see what works however i think when people come to parenting or when they come to anything they bring themselves too much sometimes you know what i mean and this is why we need to deal with ourselves first and sort out our egos and sort out our our self-esteem issues or the the issues that make us basically live through our children or when people react to our children it's almost like we personalize it and we project onto our children instead of actually being there in the moment being able to make the right decision and when i come to a book so for instance when i listen to this lady today to remain open minded even though i know that when it says conscious parenting and i know that it's been on oprah and i know that it's in these things that i don't normally watch would normally make me go have a stigma stigma against it and go like oh, i really don't like this and actually i got really into it and actually but and by the time she said something i didn't agree with i actually was quite objective and it was nice because i was able to go i'm not just rejecting this out of hand because i've been like that a lot of the times and now being in the dad syndicate and obviously having four kids i can't be like that for the sake of my children and i think people need to get out their heads out of their own ass because a lot of people have such strong beliefs that they bring it to every book they bring it they 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 will listen to a podcast by Ryan and all of a sudden it triggers something and they 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 freak out even though 90% was great he said 10% things they didn't agree with and all of a sudden it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater and it's a lot more baby than bathwater in most of the cases and i think that's what us as parents have to go into this and i like and that's what i like about you and what i enjoyed in our last conversation and what i enjoy now is that it isn't this one size fits all or this whole like all these guys think this but you know what i mean you kind of you know Ryan and, and the Iron Council stands for this so then you're expecting this kind of response as though we some blanket organization that have no autonomy or independence anymore we just are like little minions of of micklers it's that you have this open mind when you come to things and i'm and i and i'm becoming more like that from listening to more people and, be, and and letting my ego and my own beliefs go die down a little bit and these natural reactions these knee jerk to like that child needs to be disciplined or that guy needs to sit down or this pup should do this you know and living in a world of shoulds the whole time like i should do this and that child should do this and my wife should do this and it's the thing linked to it's linked to the expectations and i'm new to this man like i i haven't been a, i haven't been um great at this all the time and i've definitely reacted in 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 ways that have definitely been so far off the mark as a good dad and mostly in my example i think i'm pretty good um doing doing things with my kids and being a good father as far as what i'm providing them with as life and and activities and inspirations for doing doing things and getting outdoors however get yourself together like step up show up as a man get your body in good condition get healthy i'm not going to go back to all those six arenas um the seven arenas and talk about them again but it's all all those arenas of life when you got your ducks in a row and i'm not talking about perfection but when you are able to be that man and remain calm in the storm because having kids is a storm like often you know just last week i had my son as i said he split up in his eye my daughter had like 39 temperature i've been through hell and back with my son he's been through hell and back and um life throws the things at you and The, the, for me the the mark of a real man and a real father is to be able to stay strong in those situations and to not lose your shit or be like a capricious child yourself and that's the problem is a lot of boys who have children big boys in men's bodies raising kids and and not getting their own self into into shape and that's at the dad syndicate and us here as we want to and i think you're the same i think you realize that i think that you know that getting yourself together then makes you so much better as being a father a guy that is living those with those principles and that vision 
and that code of conduct automatic, not automatically, Josh. I'm not saying, sorry, I called you Josh. I just realized that. Joshua. <laughs> Friends off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what was I saying? That though, that guy will step up as a dad. Do you get what I mean? It's not guaranteed yeah. that a guy that's going to take the latest tips and read the latest book on how to be a great parent, that guy's not going to be able to, he's got no sh- chance in hell of becoming a conscious parent unless he's got his own shit together. Well, because he's unconscious about it, right? This is the way I, I look at it is, you know, we've all met these people who are just miserable. And, and I'll be fair, I've been this person. You know, my my marriage wasn't where I wanted it to be. My relationship with my employer sucked. Really? My wow. relationship with my siblings sucked. My relationship with my friends wasn't so good. Why am I getting in fights with random strangers? Mm. Like not physical fights, but arguments with people on the street. And And everywhere I go, you're bringing this crap with you and yeah i know what you mean Same it's here, funny bro. you know speaking with my mom who is a very very smart individual she's an executive coach we've had a lot of really deep chat and she we were talking one day and she's like you're a really negative person not in a malicious way but we're talking about this mm-hmm. and i said i know i don't want to be and i think part of it is um part of it is my my job my job is to see what could possibly go wrong in the world i work in insurance so like my my job is literally to see what could possibly go wrong so sometimes that you have a bit of a bias but you're in conflict at all these places what's the one common denominator of all of those things you it's you you're the common denominator and you know so how in every single relationship and interaction in our lives there is only one common denominator and that is you so you can't control anyone else. I can't control how what my wife does or what she thinks. I can't control what my kid does or thinks. I can't control my employer. I can't control the people on the street. The only thing that I can control is me and I need to make sure that I'm bringing my best self. And you talked about there are people who can strive for perfection who talk about they have the perfect swimming stroke or they have the perfect golf stroke. But what we also know about these types of um, A-level athletes is on average, there is a tremendous amount of sacrifice that comes with that search of perfection, right? And if all I was, was was a father and nothing else, then it may make sense to throw everything I possibly have at it and seek and strive to be the perfect father, whatever that is. But that's not my world. I'm also a husband and I'm an employee and I'm a little bit of a kind of wannabe entrepreneur and I like to write and I like to do CrossFit and I like to run Spartan races. And there's a thousand things that I really, really enjoy. And I've had to recognize that, look, I want to be my best self and I want to bring my A game as much as I can to all of these things. But there isn't one thing that I'm going to throw everything I have at. Because even in self de- personal development, we've we've seen this. There's guys who are like, "Cool, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna give myself everything." Well, that's also not balanced because now you're neglecting the other people that rely on you and and who you've chosen to have in your life. So, it is all about balance, and it is about doing your best, recognizing that you're probably gonna suck at some of it, recognizing that there's gonna be bad days, and the the faster I think that we all appreciate that. We're just doing our best. And as long as you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I actually doing my best? Am I actually giving it everything that is that is reasonable here? 
um, and reasonable is a very dangerous word. Mm -hmm. are, are we are we really looking at? Can we look at ourselves in, in the eye and say we're doing everything that we that we can do? And however that is, that's okay because I do believe that you can be content with where you are and still have ambition. Um, and recognizing that 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 search for perfection and constantly tearing mm. ourselves a new one when we screw up, that's just really negative self-talk that is counterproductive to everything in life. Um, you know, it's a bit of a, I don't want to use the word, but it's a dichotomy. You can go easy on yourself and be hard on yourself. You know, you, you can, you can exist in multiple States. I think, I think that you can be content and ambitious. You can go easy on yourself and be tough on yourself. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly, but that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about actually was to find that balance, you know, to find that fine line to walk between those two things. Well, I don't, I don't think it's a point, right? I think life is about constantly adjusting. I mean, it's a really overused analogy, but when you drive to work, you don't just lock that steering wheel in straight and hold. Even when you're driving down the street, you're constantly adjusting, you're adjusting speed, you're adjusting, you know, the wheel, hell, you're even adjusting the temperature and your mirrors and life is constantly about adjusting. That's why awareness is so important because it's not about aim, fire and close your eyes and tell me when we're there. That's not life. Life is always about keeping an eye on where you're going, recognizing, am I changing? Is the, the environment around me changing? Has my objective changed? Maybe I forgot something. Maybe I'm not going to work. You know what I mean? Like balance isn't a, isn't a fixed point. I think it, it's kind of um, a point around which we oscillate and it, it acts as a bit of a gravity to pull us away from the extremes. But it isn't a point at which you go, oh, I'm balanced. I'm good now. I don't, I don't think that exists. I think, and, and again, that's, to me, that's sort of like up there with striving for perfection. There is no point at which once you're there, you're done. We're always adjusting. We're always being aware. And awareness is just so huge. I think there's a lot of people walking around in the world asleep to that reality or maybe are starting to recognize that they're asleep and are afraid to wake up. Well, I think for me, I feel a little bit like I've woken up lately in that I feel that I need to accept almost my dark side, so to speak, um, to coin a phrase, you know, accept these parts of myself that are not perfect because for too long, it was almost like a threat to me that I had these negative things that I was kind of pushing down and not wanting to admit that they were things that actually bothered me or things that actually were weaknesses. And I think when you don't admit to these weaknesses and if you're striving for perfection and you have this, almost you protect the, you know, you protect your perfection with a barbed wire and if anyone pokes a little hole, you start like, you you you, you blow up or, you know, you, you feel terrible and you kind of, I kind of, I would kind of shoo it away with anger. So anger would be my kind of barrier of, okay, that doesn't feel good. Someone's, messing with my self-concept I've got to like react now or um, I would myself feel that way you know trying to push it away instead of just going you know what Tom that's fine you know you can't be you're not great at everything and you're never going to be great at everything and it's fine to actually have these parts of yourself that that are not perfect because what happened which is ironic is that when I try and ignore that or I try to fight that or I try to go against it, those things actually just become bigger and bigger and bigger in my life. It's kind of a paradox. You know, the more you're trying to cut off the head, it's like you cut off the snake's head and seven, seven arrive. And so for me, actually just realizing that and going, you know, yes, it's not about perfection. Yes, it's about trying your best and, and using your tools and all the resources that you have within yourself to become the best father you can. 
But I mean, what is the best father? What is what is the purpose? I mean, if I had to ask you that question, like, and that's the whole thing. For me, it's all about the purpose of things because we should start by backwards by design. So what is the purpose of being a dad? What is your purpose of being a father? I know it's a big question. <laughs> to give my son and my daughter an example to strive towards and then enough momentum for them to slingshot past where I am and, and not that doesn't mean to follow in my own footsteps, but to lead and to allow them to eventually overtake me and to continue to build on that, that, that momentum, that legacy. Um, that's it really to try to not mess them up because <laughs> they're going to be messed up. We're all messed up to, to try and just move them towards a point of being happy and fulfilled. And, and, and that's it. I mean, there, it's not, I don't care if they're millionaires or I don't care if they're jugglers and they're happy and they live in a hut on the beach. As long as they're good people, as long as they've uh, taken to heart some of the characteristics and values and virtues that, mm -hmm. that I and my wife and our family around us model for them, then it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. I, I'm working very hard mm -hmm. so that my self-worth isn't tied into them. Mm, um, yeah, me too. Because we all do that. Like, don't don't get me wrong. Like, there was talk for a while about my son being gifted. And I don't know if he is or not. And there were some days where I thought, oh, that's going to be a challenge. And there's other days where I was like, oh, my son is gifted. I need a bumper sticker. And and so, I, you know, my, my purpose, I think, is very simple. And and But my, my, my purpose for them is just to be the best person that I can be for them, the best father that I can be for them, and to constantly grow and um, yeah. to do my best. I mean, and I, it's, I know that's, that's answering that the, how do you define a word and use the word in the definition, but, <laughs> but I, but I think that's all yeah. that is. What do you mean? What is the deeper meaning of that word, Joshua, to do your best? Um, no, that's, and, and that's quite important. I think your, your purpose as a dad and then your purpose in life, obviously are inextricably, or inextricably linked. And for me, that's why I am where I am today or, or why I'm giving this a go and why I think this is so important. Because first of all, I went through quite a bad experience with my ex-wife trying to, you know, get custody of my kids equal time, which then woke me up to the necessity to step up as a dad, which then woke me up to the lack of stepping up of a lot of dads, which then led me to the effects or the impact that this has. And I've read The Boy Christ, which is quite a shocking read, actually, and brought me to tears more than once. And I don't cry. Obviously, for a guy that like uses anger to push push his feelings down, it brought me to tears a lot of times to hear the impact that not having a father or having a father who's not showing up in your life, or then the worst case scenario is a father who's there but actually is, you know, abusive or emotionally abusive, physically abusive, you name it, you know, and how important it is, how essential it is. And so, for me, there's no greater thing in life. And I think you can agree that once you have children, you realize that all those other dreams you have kind of tie in with these kids. You know, once they arrive on the scene, you know, and their little faces are in your head and when you're coming home to them and when everything starts becoming about them, like I just, I feel so much more, I have to say, I mean, maybe that's not shared by everyone, but I feel a lot more purpose and meaning in my life since I've had my kids. And, you know, when kids grow up, the life is so I don't know if you noticed this, but for kids, life is so important. And so they have no idea about the meaning of life or whether this is important or where are we going. I mean, maybe they have little wonderings about that, but you've seen how freaked out they get when they don't have a chocolate or how excited they get when they first swim, like my little daughter, like put her foot feet in the water and just how it's brand new and it's just like alive, you know, the light's going on for them. 
So that wonder, like my son has a pile of sticks on the front porch because every stick yeah, is new. Exactly. In his so mind, every well, stick yeah, has a yeah, new purpose. Yeah. It's yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing when, when you were speaking to that, and I'm glad you kind of wrapped it around, was I actually have found that my purposes, my purpose and my passions and my obsessions have been revealed through this process yes. of having children yeah. and and realizing it. Funny, but I yeah. also think, and, and I, this is why I think this podcast is really important because you know, I know people in my life, uh, let's say extended friends who I think kind of think that I'm a little bit um, over the top with parenting, you know, because I've, I've engineered my job and I've got a very uh, great employer who allows me to be flexible and that I have, I have uh, breakfast with my kids every morning. Nice. Um, I'm, I have dinner with them just about every evening. I, you know, Important. I'm going to be leaving here in 15 minutes and taking my son to jujitsu. I don't miss those things, but I very deliberately engineered my life so that mm-hmm. I don't miss those things. Mm-hmm. And the analogy that I've used, cause people said like, don't, aren't you worried about smothering them? I'm like, no, I'm not smothering them. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm not. And I, and I can say that I've, cause I've asked those things of myself and making sure that I'm not, but the analogy. So I talked about my, the best father is giving them the kind of momentum they need to, to catapult themselves through life. And the analogy mm-hmm. that I've used is like a mill wheel. If you think of like this really heavy old mill wheel that weighs, you know, tons, the amount of effort it takes to get it moving is huge. You need to give it everything that you have to get this thing moving and spinning slowly. But as it starts to move, it starts to generate its own momentum. And I I view the spinning of that wheel, like the life of my children is that it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of my time to get them moving because once I've put that effort in and you set them on their way, then they will create their own momentum. And I think that I, I would rather, what's that analogy? It's a lot easier to build a healthy, a healthy child than to fix a broken one or something like that. Like I, broken adult, that's, yeah. yeah, that's my, that's the analogy that I keep going back is like, give your kids a disproportionate amount of your time and energy now so that once they have that momentum, then they can take themselves forward and you just kind of have to keep touching it every now and then to make sure that they're on the right path and eventually the thing takes care of itself. I think it's an awesome privilege and I think it's really it's really good to, as fathers, realize just how important you are. And it's not an important in an arrogant way, but it's just I think some guys don't give themselves credit for the impact that they have. There's a little life comes into their into their hands, so to speak. And, you know, they're watching everything. They're listening to everything. They're being formed. They start picking up your idiosyncrasies. They start saying things. It's so funny when you hear your little kids start saying your phrases. And my little boy's like, what the heck? You know, and it's just, you know, it's nothing big, but it's just to see that they're picking up stuff. And you can see this happening every day. And you can obviously see yourself in them to a degree, you know. It's the biggest rush, man. It's the best rush on the planet. So it's like, it's like watching them grow up. And and for me, as I've said, it's, it's taken a while to start becoming wholer as a person. And I know it sounds strange, but it's exactly that growing myself up because I felt like I've been a boy. And although I, I think that being able to enjoy yourself as a child and be able to get down yesterday, I played hide and go seek, by the way. And I, hid so well that basically my kids didn't find me for 20 minutes dude <laughs> and i was and i was lying in this box that apparently my wife told me i wasn't allowed to be lying in afterwards one was the box like on the porch where you put all the cushions you know i like just jumped in there fuck i was like i felt like i was someone in gulag archipelago like in salt and in russia where i was like stuck in a box and i thought well oh, next God. time you can't find them 
Go look in the box. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, they didn't find me. So actually, I have to admit that I almost fell asleep in that box <laughs> and it was dinner time. So, you know, I can do those kind of things. But my point is that, you know, there's a part of you that not has to die, but you have to you have to grow up sometime and you have to. And growing up by growing up, I mean, is when you mature into that person that is no longer getting his self-worth from other people or their endeavors. So for instance, what I'm doing now with the Dad Syndicate, for for me to make it a success for myself or a success, and I'm not talking about numbers or money, but a success is to do it because I love it, because I'm passionate about it, because I care about like the kids that I see in school whose fathers don't step up, you know, through all the 15 years I've been teaching, the kids whose fathers are not stepping up. It's just, it's so clear. I mean, it's not the only, you know, the variable, but it's just so clear that when dads don't step up, it makes a huge impact on their kids' lives. And to know that this is my my thing that I love to do and to suddenly realize, my God, man, my kids are the most important thing in my life. Yes, I love teaching, but I love my kids more and that my passion is to become the best father and to set them up, you know, to save them from myself, so to speak. And I know that sounds quite hectic, but, you know, to save them from those negative things that I had as growing up as a child and the things that I experienced and not that they will experience those, but the damage that they've done in my life and to and to to be motivated enough to really sort that out. Because I, I wasn't, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't able to sort those things out just on my own. And my kids came along and my wife came along and I'm just like, hang on, dude. It's it's you and five others. And these guys are watching and they're listening and they're seeing everything. And every time you have an argument or every time you do that, you know, you can have the impact positively or negatively, like we say, you know, with leadership, you're yeah. leading, you know, and it's and it's so important. But guys just do it as though it's some like kind of random thing in their life sometimes. And you're like, you've got to be intentional about it. And that's why we did this whole thing on fitness and mental health and these things to get your get yourself together, like get yourself to the place. And I need to get myself where I'm where I'm able to deal with things objectively without Tom's ego coming in and projecting my desires and my expectations. And my wife said to me the other day, how much is, is your son Tyler like reacting to what he thinks that he needs to do for you? And that really made me go like, wow, like is my son like losing himself because he thinks he has to live up to my expectations? And that's a, and that was hard for me to hear, you know, but when I can remove myself from the situation and I raise them in a way where I'm observing and I'm looking and I'm and I'm mindful, and I think that's the word I'd like to probably end on here because I know you got to go, is that mindfulness as a parent, you know, getting get, being present, being in the moment and being mindful of your own emotions and mindful of yourself and going, is this decision I'm making, is it something that I can see objectively and say this is good for my kid? And obviously that's still a subjective discussion, but as long as yourself, as long as we remove ourselves a little bit or our own egos, I think it's in general. I don't know if you agree with that, but for me, it's a big thing in my parenting life is to remove myself and my own expectations and my own desires and, and stop like putting my own, my own will onto them and thinking that this is what a good child, because we all want our kids to be happy and successful, but what, and maybe this is the question we can end on. What is a happy and successful kid? What is it? What does it look like? What does it look like now and what does it look like in five years and what does it look like in 10 years? Because it changes. As you said, oh, my kid, I'm, I'm, you, you get this new child, right? You get this kid who now is like four years old and you have to deal with another stage of their life. And then they're seven and now my kids are eight and now they're reacting a little bit differently. So it's always augmenting, changing. But as long as I'm stable and as long as I'm objective and as long as I'm able to take myself out of the situation and not be emotionally totally invested the whole time, I'm able to deal with it in a more effective way than always letting my feelings get involved. So yeah, the, the question is, what is a what is a happy and successful life look like? What what is a because that's the goal, right? Right. So for me, I, I started by talking about I've modeled what I view to be my successful life, or striving towards it as knowing who I am, 
knowing where I want to go mm. and having the framework and the tools yeah. through values and, and a code of conduct that act as my riverbanks to keep me moving in the right direction and straying too far from that path. So for me, a happy and successful child is someone who is also doing those same things, who is able to be in touch with who he is and be okay with who he is, who has some idea of where he'd like to go and where I think particularly parents play a strong role and fathers is giving them the framework, those values and those tools and those codes of conduct to help them establish their own riverbanks and everything else. We have to leave it up to them because my self-worth is not tied into how successful my son is. Um, Mm. And it can't be right. It's not good for Um, them. I went in my own path. He has to have his own path and my daughter has to have her own path. Our role is to help them establish roughly what path that may want to go Mm -hmm. by asking them important questions and deep questions and asking them to ask better questions Mm -hmm. and then to create their riverbanks. That's about the extent of it. Beyond that, get out of their way. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Great explanation. I think it's excellent. Because it's hard sometimes, you know, what people think of happy and successful. You know, some people see money, other people see fame. You know, and 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 that's unfortunately people think that kids successful is being better than other people. I'm not totally against competition, but I think as Ed Milet said, you know, when you comparison, when you're comparing, I don't know if you saw that, when you're comparing to other people, you can't have happiness and comparison together. Because once you're comparing with other people, happiness can't live in the same place. But you can use comparison to get better and to improve yourself, to say, oh, I want to get there, but not to find value. And I think with our kids... The important part for me is, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think the unconditional love and the and the communication of it is to let your child know, I love you the way you are, but I want to talk to you about these things and I want to help guide you and I want to be with you on this journey so that you end up reaping the rewards of your hard work, that you realize the value of hard work, that you realize that the world is a place that is not always happy and not all sunshine and roses and that you can get that I can get alongside them and that I can set goals for them and I can but make rules together with them I would say or like you said a code of conduct mm-hmm. and them understand that it's beneficial for them and that where there can be routines and there can be boundaries you know that children want to have boundaries you've heard it said it's almost become a catchphrase but it's really the truth they they thrive in those boundaries but at the same time that my son doesn't realize like he has to become the red bull rampage champion to get my acceptance because that's what it happened to me to a degree is that i feel i have to achieve something to get love and we don't want our kids to feel like they have to be something to get our love because then they betray themselves they betray their essence you know because i don't think they can hear it enough just to say i love you as you are but i want you to be the best that you can be and to be successful and while your child you don't know what that is sometimes. And sometimes, like you said, you look at your life and what it can be yeah. and possibly they understand that and get along with you and help and understand it's a helping relationship, not a blocking. It's actually a, a freeing relationship. Like discipline equals freedom, as Jocko says. You know, yes, you're a little bit disciplined now, but then you have the freedom later. So understand, I'm not trying to clip your wings. 100%. I mean, the only thing that I would tweak, it's semantics, but I, I, I would, I say, uh, and I would say is, I love you unconditionally and as opposed to, but, and as a result of that, we're going to have these conversations, Mm, right? I like that. Because the world doesn't give a shit about what we want for our kids. 
<laughs> no, yeah, exactly. So yeah. we are going to have to equip yeah. them with some tough skills. Like so competition matters because competition exists in the world. Being tough matters because the world requires that you yeah, be tough. Exactly. Oh, I like that you brought it around like that. Um being disciplined yeah. matters because the world is going to require you of those things. And I think though that being self-aware and content and um, being comfortable in their own skin and yes, recognizing that they will absolutely always have the love of their dad and their mom. Yeah. However, they are also going to have to step up because the world yeah. doesn't give a shit about them. Exactly. And that's not to try to be overly cynical. That's just the reality of the world mm. is so we have to arm them. And as I said, that's why there, there can't be these extremes. I've, <laughs> I've seen, you know, and I'm sure you've exposed this too. Maybe this is a conversation we have to have another day just because we are running out of time. But, you know, there, there are some, there are a lot of parents and a lot of schools who are like, boys can't roughhouse. Be they just, they can't. And I, I want to say to them, well, look, my son is a perfect example. I think he's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> he, he is a great example of, of a young boy who can be hugely compassionate. He can be very kind and empathetic, yet he's tough as nails. Mm -hmm. And if you cross him, guess what? He's probably going to deck you. And yes, I've had a few too many conversations with the principal about Caleb having a dust up at school. But I do think that those things can coexist. I think that you can be tough and strong and have a competitive edge and want to win at life, but also be kind and compassionate and care about the people around you and be comfortable in your own skin. And it, again, it's whenever we have these extremes that I think we get into some dangerous space. Yeah. Um, and, and also by using words like and, and stacking these things mm. and allowing children to recognize that it's not always either or, we can create this abundant mindset within them Growth. as opposed yeah. to something that is scarce. I have to be tough or kind. Yeah. Bullshit. Uh, true. Tough and kind is a thing, you know, and, <laughs> well, and it works. No, I agree with you. And I think that we, to wrap it up, I mean, we all know people like that. You know these examples of guys who have both the competitive spirit and also are kind. I mean, you can see them. When they walk in the room, you recognize that kind of guy that cares for people, but also obviously is successful. Yeah. I don't think it's like one, one or the other, like you say. And I think just to wrap up, I mean, it was a big, it was a very long conversation. If I would summarize it, I would say, first of all, you know, you know, kick those expectations, firstly, of yourself as a parent being perfect. And then secondly, definitely of your children, having expectations of them and then reacting to your expectations is only setting yourself up for trouble and for conflict and for being an unhappy parent instead of having zero expectations, preparing well, setting boundaries and those kind of things. And I think another thing we talked about was balance instead of, and you just mentioned it again, is, you know, as fathers, let's stay away from extremes, whether it be philosophies on parenting, you know, and let's stop swinging from left to right and let's look for the best things. And Joshua was telling us, you know, look at, you know, if you're reading six books, take the best part out of them. No, no one's got the perfect solution and especially no one's got your kids. So try and find the right information and the right concoction or the right mixture of things that's going to work in your family. You know, and don't take the easy route out. And also, as I said, is is remind, remain open-minded. Don't bring yourself so much to what you read. Read it with an open mind. And then I think also, you know, we we won't be, you know, trying to control everything and, and control our kids and control what happens. I think it's linked to the expectations. Also, you know, think about your purpose. 
You know, Joshua talked about his purpose as a father, what he thinks, what he thinks his role is, and what he thinks his purpose is as a dad. And we all have to to lay that out and to write it out and to have it clear. I would even put it in my journal, right? What is my purpose as a dad? Maybe have a vision for a dad on its own. And then, lastly, you know, what is what is a successful, happy kid? And I think you, I think we all need to ask ourselves that question and go, what do we when we want to raise our kids? And everyone says, hey, you know, what do you want to want do you want for kids? Oh, I want my kid to be happy and successful. Know what you're talking about. Don't just throw words around. Know exactly what that means because what it means is going to have an impact on how you parent. So I don't know if there's anything you want to add or if I missed out anything that we discussed. I, we, I did miss out the one thing is that work on yourself first. The only thing, you did a fantastic job of hitting on the points. The only thing that I would maybe end with is it doesn't matter if you're an expectant father, if your kids are young like ours are, or if you have teenagers, mm-hmm. or if you have adult kids, you're a father for life. And whether you're just kind of awakening to this mindset now, don't ever discount yourself. Don't ever write yourself off. You know, don't don't let your get get yourself to that point where that dad that I was speaking to at, at the gym had essentially given up on himself. Um, they need you to be your best self. So no matter where you are, it's never too late to start working on that. It is never too late to level up as a father. Um, it is literally never too late. So so don't get there. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing I think I would I would add. That's excellent. And I think, guys, take that to heart and realize that you can always get up at half past four tomorrow morning. It doesn't have to be half past four, but you can always get up an hour earlier and start changing your life straight away. It's just that mindset that we're talking about and that negative talk that makes us believe that we can't change, that we're stuck and that we stay in the same place and that we're never going to move forward. So Joshua, I really appreciate you making the time to speak to me today. And um, I'm sure we could speak for hours and hours about our kids because it's obviously a passion of yours. It's a passion of mine. Uh, I hope that we get to do it again. And I hope I haven't kept you too long and enjoyed jujitsu with your son. Thanks very much. He's, uh, he's due for a belt. So I think we're going to have some fun tonight. I really, really appreciate the opportunity and absolutely look forward to doing it again. So that brings it into another powerful conversation with Joshua Laycock. Joshua is also a life coach, and if you're ready to develop a rock-solid mindset and take your life as a man and a father to the next level, head over to his website, that's www.themindsetrenovation.com, and get in contact with him. Again, that's www.themindsetrenovation.com. Once again, a huge thanks to those who tuned in again this week and any new listeners. We really appreciate the support and welcome any feedback about the show so we can improve and make it the most informative, entertaining, and life-enhancing podcast for the dads out there. And as usual, I'd like to end by reminding you to keep in mind that all the hard work, time and energy we put into being the men our families need and deserve is always going to be worth it. So until next time, be relentless.